because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch, of course, is on his motorcycle. Well, maybe not on his motorcycle this early in the morning uh, at the fall ride. It's uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, Tom. Yeah, 8 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, maybe by noon he'll get on his motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the fall ride going on. So every year when that happens, Merle is there. So Alan Hogum joins us this morning here in the studio to take your legal questions about estate planning and all of that stuff. 715-845-2155. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Tom. How are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, got the Badger game going on today. We got the Brewers who won last night. I'm going to see Al Stewart in concert tonight. This you is know, a big day. It is. It's going to be a good day. And let's start it right here by getting some folks' questions answered. And you had an interesting topic that you wanted to start with this morning. Yeah, Tom, you know, I, one of the things that uh, that we get, I say, questions about, and I think is is uh, sometimes just ignored, misconstrued, not even understood to be a separate topic, is, is a second marriage situation. And unfortunately, we have a lot of those in the United States of America. You know, and I say, in some unfortunately, I say some fortunately. I think, I think second marriages are wonderful. I think they're fantastic. Uh, I'm not in one. Personally, Tom, so... Uh, 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 I won't say yet. Right. <laughs> well, no. No, I, I hit a home run, okay, a grand right. slam in the wife department, Tom. Okay, all right. But, um, the, uh, but, but I think what it is is if someone is, is widowed or divorced, it doesn't mean that now you are required to uh, live alone for the rest of your entire lifetime. You say, no, of course not. But, you know, and, and just think of, we have a lot of clients, you know, someone's widowed and it's, uh, uh, you know, they had planned their whole life for retirement and they're widowed. And um, it, it, it's just kind of a, a difficult thing, obviously, personally, all kinds of things. And they get yeah, married. A lot of people don't think about it that way. They think of second marriages as divorce only, and it's not. Oh, no, 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 no. No, it's, but it can be. It, it's really whatever that is. So you think, oh, okay, well, I guess, uh, you know, we'll just kind of keep on keeping on. And, and you still have retirement accounts and a house. And maybe you marry someone who has a house or doesn't or has life insurance or doesn't or has a couple dollars in the bank or doesn't or whatever the situation is. You know, we have a lot of people who say, you know, is this where you're talking about, you know, some some rich person married some, you know, no, it's not rich people marrying poor people and, and those kind of things. It's and just needing a regular up and all people. That, yeah. yeah, it's 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 all of those things. But I think it's just general. Just think run of the mill. It's wonderful. And, and if, if someone is fortunate enough to find uh, their person and they get married, I think it's great. It, it's to be celebrated. But the state of Wisconsin has a different opinion about how the finances should work than a lot of people would imagine. And, and what it is, is you say, well, you know, just take, you know, the real stereotypical. And obviously not everyone has children and, and all of those types of things. But just start there. And you say, well, what if, uh, you know, we've got, uh, uh, you know, man, he's got uh, you know, two kids from his first marriage and he marries someone and she had four kids from her first marriage or whatever the situation is. And you just say, oh, okay, well, we'll just kind of live together and, and get married and retire in peace and harmony. And we can combine our finances and this works great. But what do does most estate planning, when people think just the knee jerk off the rack estate planning, fill in the blank kind of thing, what does it say? You know, everyone says, well, I'm going to draft a will. And the will says, you know, if, uh, if I pass away, everything goes to my spouse. And then when my, uh, you know, if, uh, after we're both living, then it goes to the kids. You say, sounds perfect. Well, how does that actually work out in the end? 
And what happens is the first spouse passes away. It goes to the survivor. And then the kids of the surviving spouse suddenly say, hey, you know, uh, his kids don't come around on uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas anymore. And, you know, when's the last time they uh, they called you? And you say, well, yeah, I loved his kids, but I just don't see them that much anymore. So what ends up happening is the way this really plays out, I would say very commonly, is in a second marriage, one spouse passes away, everything goes to the survivor, and then it ends up with the children of the surviving spouse. And the kids of whoever passed away first get, well, sometimes a whole lot of not anything. Mm-hmm. And you say, wait a minute, is that the way it's supposed to be? No, 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 no. And, and it's really just human nature. You know, you think about it, and it's not intentional. You know, sometimes it's not even... Uh, Although it can be, I would imagine. Well, in some cases, it can be intentional. But we'll have people who, um, you know, really earnestly say, uh, no. And, and I, you know, I famously had a client, well, not, not publicly, but, but kind of internally, it's one that I've always remembered, is, uh, you know, we had, a, in this case, it was a gentleman who had more assets. And I think it's, it's about half and half. Sometimes it's, you know, um, either spouse can have more assets. But we had a man who, who had significant assets, and he married a, a woman who, who didn't. And uh, he had two kids, and she had a, a son. The uh, yeah, so it, the man had two daughters, wife had a son, and and they were married and married happily for you know probably twelve or fourteen years, and then he passed away, and of course all of his assets went to his wife, and the plan was then you know after they both passed away to give it to the three kids, the man's two daughters and and the wife's son, and you know a year or two later the wife said you know I think I'm going to revise that, and. Uh, uh, and he had, you know, a million-dollar estate. I mean, he was he had a significant, significant assets. And uh, and she said that she was going to revise it so that after she passed away, she said, I really, really loved his girls. Uh, so I'm going to give them $5,000 each. <laughs> and I said, right, well, yeah, and then, oh, so they get 5000 each, and then you divide it a third, a third, a third. She's like, no, 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 I'll give them $5,000 each, and then obviously whatever's left just goes to my son. And... I said, well, wait a minute, you know, isn't that, that's completely different than, you know, you and Bob had, had described. And she said, yeah, but I really love those girls, so I'm not going to cut them out. I'm okay. not taking them out because they were wonderful. They're really, really good to me. And, and it's the kind of thing where it's, it's, uh, there's a little bit of a disconnect. And, and she said, well, my son's the one who, you know, he's, he's the one that, that I do things with now. And, and uh, I talk to his daughters periodically, but we don't get together as much anymore. You know, so it's the kind of thing where, where she really didn't have any malice in her heart. You know, she wasn't antagonistic toward them. She went out of her way to say how much she liked his kids and, and meant it. And just, but never, never got the concept that this, this there was some fairness to it. Yeah. Um, and different people have different opinions about fairness. Yeah. You know, fair does not always mean equal, and equal doesn't always mean fair. Uh, but it is the type of thing where we run into that. So you say, well, what do you do about it? You know, I think first you start to think about, um, what would you do? Like in a perfect world, and sometimes we'll, we'll start, we'll talk to people about, say, if you passed away at the same time. So, uh, you know, how would this work? And would you just give it to all the kids equally? And you say, great. Usually the person with more children says, let's give it to all the kids equally. So if one of them has five kids and the other one has one child, you say, uh, let's give it to all the kids equally. Everybody gets a sixth. You say, great. And then the person who says, well, wait a minute, wouldn't just my half of everything go to my children, my one? And your half of everything goes to your children, your five. And the person with five kids says, well, wait a minute. Then your kid gets, gets a lot more than, than any of my kids does. It's, well, that's kind of how, you know, kind of how it works. The, uh, uh, so then there's a little bit of a, a disconnect there. Or you could say, you know, sometimes 
you know, spouses will say, well, let's try to just sort of figure out who brought what to the marriage originally. You know, if one of the spouses came in with a lot of extra assets, would we do it that way? Would we just say all of my assets, you know, we use them during our lifetime, but after we pass away, it just kind of sort of makes its way back to my kids and and yours kind of goes to your kids. Uh, Sometimes that can work. Although, you know, once you move banks or change your financial advisor, sell that house and buy this cabin, you know, that sort of gets, gets blurred along the lines and, and, and you say, well, that doesn't always end up in the right place. But I think this is one of the things that uh, we run into quite a bit. And, and I think first you just kind of say, what are the goals? You know, and that's, that's usually where it comes from. Is this something that has to be dealt with right away during the marriage, like a, a basic prenup? Or are, is there other paperwork that can be done farther down the line? Well, I think it, either way, and, and really what you end up with is, you know, sometimes people think, well, we're just going to draft a prenuptial agreement and it's going to go, and that can work. Um, you know, I've, I think we mentioned on the show that I, I teach prenuptial agreements or it, in, at the law school in Madison. So it's, uh, uh, and, and I would say prenuptial agreements are best described in Wisconsin as strong. They, they're very effective for short periods of time. Uh, and there's no, and I'm not a, a family law attorney. I'm not a divorce attorney by trade. Uh, I don't do those. But it's the type of thing where if you speak to the, the divorce attorneys, they will tell you that, that if you're married for two years or three years or five years or whatever it is, whatever you think of, you know, a short period of time, that prenuptial agreements are pretty effective, that if you got divorced, you kind of, you take your stuff back and, and I take my stuff back and, and, and we, whatever we gained together while we were married, we kind of split up 50-50, but you kind of can, can see the lines. The longer it goes, uh, the, the less effective they become. And, you know, I don't think there's a, a hard and bright line rule that says once you get past this particular date, they're not effective anymore. But the courts treat them as having, you know, the courts do treat those as having an element of fairness. Again, so, so it's not the type of thing where uh, they're, they're good forever or they're, they're concrete forever. I think if, if you're out in one of those western states, Tom, you know, where uh, uh, it, it, I think it's not, not quite the old west, but, but there's some things where they have some rules out there where I think in a number of states, if you have a prenuptial agreement, I think that thing's rock solid from the day you sign it until 50 years later. Wisconsin's not that way. So you say, okay, a prenuptial agreement can can sort of nudge us in that direction. And really what a prenuptial agreement does, people think, well, that's if I get divorced, isn't it? And it's really not. It's if you get divorced, clearly, but it's even, you know, if you pass away. You know, if you pass away, the, you know, do you have the right to describe where your stuff goes? And believe it or not, if you're married, Wisconsin says, well, not entirely. You know, your spouse has a right to certain parts of it. You know, your spouse... Uh, if someone is, is married, even in a second marriage, the second spouse has a right to more of the assets than the, 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 the first spouse's children. You know, so if, if, uh, um, Tom, you're 95 and, uh, um, uh, Mrs. King went skydiving, uh, you know, and, and you got remarried to, you know, Bambi, then, you know, she has more right to the assets than, uh, and all the, uh, the the princes and the princesses in the, in the king household. And you say, really? The second spouse has a right to more assets than all of my children combined? That, that sounds odd. Uh, and in some cases, much more, um, just depending on how you title things. Yeah, is that a reward for Bambi marrying a 95-year-old guy? Is that I don't, is? I don't want to I don't say that. <laughs> but, but, you know, and some people say, well, wait a minute. There should be a set of rules where, you know, if we got married when we were uh, uh, 20, 
and and we were married for uh, 60 years and we we you know saved and we had careers or we you know put money away and we scrimped and you know all those things that 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 should be that should stay with us that should stay with us and our families or us and our beneficiaries or us and our children and and if one spouse passes away and the survivor gets remarried that that's not that future spouses like they weren't there for the earning it and the accumulating it and the state says we don't care <laughs> That's just the way it is. So it, it's one of those where Wisconsin is very, uh, I would say, spouse-centered, or they're very, very protective of spouses in these rules and these laws. They just want to make sure that, you know, someone, you know, you can just kind of see the, you know, someone passes away and they say, I don't give anything to my wife or my children. I give it all to my girlfriend, you know, something just heinous like that. Well, so Wisconsin says, no, there are protections for spouses. Um, there are things called marital property elections and deferred marital property elections. So you can't. Uh, without a prenuptial agreement or without uh, other estate planning, which maybe we'll get to, um, you can't uh, disinherit a spouse. Your spouse has a right to certain categories of property and at least half of everything that's left. So and regardless of whether it's your first spouse, your second spouse, or your, your seventh. So it's a... Uh, so how do you fix that? How do you deal with that? All right. Well, let's talk about that when we come back. We need to take a break. If you have a question for Alan regarding this or any other topic, uh, state planning is the key here. If you'd like to get those questions answered, give us a call, 715-845-2155. We'll be right back on WSAU. Mike Rowe here with a gentle reminder that civilization is held together by pipes, wires, and cables. It's true. There are over 5 million miles of gas lines. Freaking out. Just try not to freak out. That's a really tough task for me. News Talk WSAU. And we're back here on WSAU. I'm Tom King, and in for Merle today, Attorney Alan Haugam, 715-845-2155. The number to call here if you have a question for Alan, give us a call. We've been talking about the situation with second marriages and how you can set up your assets uh, to make them go where you want them to go. I guess that's the biggest uh, decision to make here. Yeah, I think that's it. And, you know, sometimes it's a goofy topic because we'll we'll talk to people and and they'll say, well, well we, we've been married for 30 years and and we've got uh, two kids and a white picket fence and a minivan and a, you know, and well, second marriage. Well, that's, that's not us clearly. And you say, well, at some point, one of you is going to be single. And, and it's just kind of the reality of it. people don't, you know, spouses don't pass away together. Yes, it's possible. And yes, there are some, some rare cases, but it's really, really rare. So at some point you're single and it's, it's crazy. Like we said, you know, like we started the show by saying that that's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing that if, if, if one of you is, is widowed even, that, that you don't have to be alone. But when you think about it ahead of time, would you say, can we even prepare our stuff now so that a future spouse, uh, while you can certainly get remarried, a future spouse would not have a right to those assets. So and you would you say, actually set yeah. it up before you even get married a second time, set it up during your well, first you're married marriage? during your first marriage. Yeah. yeah, you can, I would say. So sometimes what we'll do is we'll... You we'll, probably should let the second person know before you get married then that that exists <laughs> well, you right can. yeah it's but it, it but i think that's fine you know it's if someone says oh well if if you have your assets titled a certain way or you don't have as many assets in in the categories that i would have access to maybe i don't want to get married to you yeah maybe then you have an answer you know right. there too but but and, and we'll have a lot of people and i would say this is there's there's more of a gender con, a gender difference let's say and i would say ladies you are much more aware than some of these guys. So so women are much more aware of, is my husband going to get remarried to some 
20-year-old floozy who's after him for his money. And and I always have to stop and say, no, that's never going to happen. So, Joe, don't don't worry. That'll never happen. What happens is, you know, we have um, 88-year-old guys getting remarried to some young 78-year-old lady. <laughs> And I think it's wonderful. It, it's fantastic. And, and it's, you know, it's the kind of thing, you, just, you see smiles on people's faces where they hadn't smiled in five years. And, but it is, it's one of those where you say, if that happens, do we think that 88-year-old Joe will just be able to make the decisions about how your combined life savings will eventually get to your kids? And they go, no, <laughs> and I don't think, I'm not real confident of that at all. Um, so, so can you do that ahead of time? And you can. Um, the other thing that comes up is, and this kind of ties in a little bit to what we've talked about in the past, is with uh, the, the long-term care side. Uh, if, and this is the one that really shocks people, if, if either spouse, so if we have a spouse who has accumulated assets and, and uh, gets married later in life or gets remarried and maybe the person he married uh, didn't have as many assets, if either spouse ever needs any kind of long-term care or any kind of nursing home care, the state has a right to all of the assets of both spouses, regardless of whether they had a prenuptial agreement or not. So that is the one creditor that you cannot protect from in a prenuptial agreement. So it's, I would say the, uh, what you can't uh, protect from in a prenuptial agreement is one is alimony, they call it spousal maintenance. You know, so alimony, you can't contract that away. Uh, child support, you can't contract that away. Or nursing home expenses of either spouse. And you go, wow, that's a, that's a pretty eclectic mix of categories there. Uh, is that really how it works? And that's really how it works. So, so if someone says, well, no, 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 all of the assets were on my side. So my, my first husband passed away. Um, all of the assets came to me. I am very protective of them. I am definitely going to make sure that those get to the kids. Um, and I married someone who maybe didn't have a whole lot or maybe did, or it really didn't matter. But that, that future spouse of mine or that future husband of mine uh, needed nursing home care. Well, the state says, well, we can take all of the assets of either one of you or both of you. And, and you say, well, that's not what we intended, or that doesn't seem fair or, or shouldn't, you know, it's not my nursing home care. It's his. Shouldn't you take his assets? Uh, and in some cases, you know, his children might not be cooperative or his children might say, no, that's the, that's the way state rules work. So, so that is one where you say, how do you fix that? And really this is, you know, we've talked about this thing. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago is it's really just planning ahead of time. You know, it's, it's planning for that, uh, you know, even during the first marriage, you know, how do you protect things without a prenuptial agreement or can you? Yeah. I mean, can you, I mean, you just said you can't protect against nursing home care and a prenup. Where can you protect? Uh, really what we end up doing is you know, we just goes on the list of goals and, and we'll say, okay, is that a goal? And people say, well, I don't anticipate it. I hope not. You know, first of all, I hope one of us doesn't pass away and then get remarried to someone who, who develops health issues. I mean, there's a couple things going on there, but it's not that uncommon. Um, it's actually fairly common. And really what you do is this is where, you know, when we even talk about the difference between a, a, a will and a trust, you know, we go back to that. Um, and you say, well, with a very, very simple trust, what you're doing is you're protecting it from probate, or you might be protecting how you give it to kids, but it has nothing to do with long-term care or asset protection um, for the two of us. Um, if one of us passes away and gets remarried, well, then again, it's game on for all those things. So can you? And sometimes what we'll do is we'll just say, is, you know, is that a goal? Is protecting the assets of the two of you a goal? 
you know, during the, the remainder of both of your lifetimes, regardless of what happens. And if people say, yeah, that, that is one of our goals. Well, can we do something about that? You know, we'll draft, you know, the, the Asset Protection Trust or the, the Haugam Asset Protection Trust. You know, I've talked about, I picked on my wife, Tracy, in the past. So, you know, so if there's anything that the two of us want to protect, can we create the Allen and Tracy Haugam Asset Protection Trust? Yeah. Well, I think when you do that, though, you know, keep in mind, who would you want to be in charge of it? Well, if if Alan and Tracy want to protect things, um, Alan and Tracy still want to be in charge of it. Like, we don't want to give this. It's not about giving things to kids. In fact, I can't remember the last time we just gave things to kids in order to protect them. It really just doesn't happen anymore. And, and a lot of that's just a change in the state rules and a change in the state laws where what used to work and what used to protect things just doesn't do it anymore. Uh, so it kind of dovetails with, with people's goals. You know, say, no, I want to be in charge of it. I want to be able to spend it. I want to be able to use it. But I also want to make sure it's protected from any of those kind of pitfalls and, and potholes that might come up in the future. 715-845-2155. We're going to take a break for some news. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Alan, give us a call here this morning on WSAU. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Manning was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. It's another week of this. Violence in our cities. Catch, release. And another day for this. Extreme set of MAGA Republicans. Bring our nation together. Plus, another possibility of this. That inflation is going to remain at a high level. That's why another update is coming up at the top of the hour. Here's what's happening in the real world. Just another day. Not with all this happening. Take another historic step. On WSAU. To stay informed. And WSAU.com. And we're back. I'm Tom King in the studio. Merle Kelch off today for the fall ride. Alan Hogum joining us. We're talking about estate planning. We do have a phone call, so let's go to the phone this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? This is Mike. Good hey. morning, Tom and Alan. Hey, Good Mike. Morning, Mike. Alan. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. I'm wondering if there is a small family LLC, is there a step up in basis upon one or more of the LLC member deaths? So what you have, Mike, and it depends on the assets that you have in it as to how this gets treated. So there's a few different ways to do a, a small family LLC. And really, if, if someone's listening, uh, a small family LLC is not a technical term. It's an LLC. When sometimes people think about a family LLC, uh, again, not a not necessarily a technical term, but it's kind of become a almost like a, a, a trade name for if I say, uh, Mike, I've got, uh, uh, you know, my wife and I have, you know, 500 acres of hunting land, and we want to get it to our uh, our three kids, but we don't want them to then sell it the next day. So what we could do is my wife and I could be the voting members of our Haugam family LLC, and we could put the three kids as the non-voting members. So maybe my wife and I own 1%, and uh, the other three kids own 33% each, but we make all the rules, you know, that kind of a thing. So th- we used to do these for estate tax purposes, much more commonly when uh, before the estate tax law became so high. So you know, right now, for estate tax purposes, not income tax, but for estate tax purposes, you can give $12 million when you pass away without having to pay any estate tax. Uh, so while I'm sure there are somewhere, there are someone who has more than $12 million, I would say that's it's pretty rare and you just don't see that too often. So for estate tax purposes, the family LLC concept um, doesn't uh, really isn't as necessary as it, it, it just doesn't happen very often. But if if you said, Mike, for asset protection purposes, what we want to do is we want to protect it from 
future spouse or long-term care or nursing home care or any creditor other than, you know, mom, dad, and the three kids. Can we do that with a family LLC or a small family LLC? Absolutely, if that's your goal. So if you said, we just want to protect it, what you can do is say, Mike and, and Mrs. Mike uh, uh, are going to be the, the voting members. We're going to make the rules and we're going to transfer 99% or 98% or 99.5% or whatever you like, the vast majority, to the kids. And you say, okay, so what happens? Well, then everybody gets to protect or, or, or enjoy or use the cottage or the hunting land or maybe your house or it could be money in the bank and investments and all kinds of things. And you're like, well, this sounds great. This sounds like a fantastic way to protect these assets from those creditors. The downside, Mike, is in my very, uh, I'm a lawyer, so it's a long-winded way of answering <laughs> your question, but you don't get the tax benefits. You don't get the income tax benefits. And I'm not talking about the estate tax and that $12 million number. We're not worried about that. Now, Mike, if you're over $12 million, you know, then uh, we'll have a, you know, a separate uh, radio segment after the next break. But, but for everybody else in the world, you say, no, no, we're not over $12 million. Uh, but we don't like paying extra income taxes for no reason. Well, you kind of you go through your list of options. If, uh, if husband and wife had kept those assets in their name, I don't care if it's hunting land or cottage or, or, or you know, stocks and bonds, mutual funds, all those kinds of things. When you pass away, especially after the second spouse passes away, the kids get a full step up in basis and they could sell those assets after you pass away for zero tax, zero capital gains tax. It's fantastic. And you say, well, that's great, but it's not protected. You say, oh, okay. Well, we're not worried about capital gains tax if some future creditor comes in or future spouse or the nursing home comes in and just takes everything. Well, there's no, there's no gain, there's no tax, there's no anything. So that's not getting us too far if we're, if we're not protecting it. So maybe what we do is we flip the script and say, we're going to protect it. We're going to create one of these small family LLCs and, and protect it and, and pretty effectively protect it. And we're just going to eat the tax problem. So what does that mean? Well, maybe, Mike, it means if the kids sell something after you pass away, they have to pay uh, somewhere between a 15 to about a 23% tax. Maybe call it 20% tax, just kind of as a, a blended rate. So they might have to pay a 20% tax on the value of this. And some people say, 20% tax? That's crazy. That's a ton of money. And other people say, well, yeah, but you get to keep 80%. So that's better than keeping zero if you didn't protect it at all. And they go, ah, well, all right, you got a point there. So so if you say, Mike, is that a, is an LLC, is a small family LLC a way to protect uh, most of it? You could. Um, and if you said, well, wait a minute, we're not... We're not B minus students here. You know, C pluses and, and B minuses aren't, we're not shooting for 80%. We'd like to protect 100%. Could we protect 100% of it and get the tax break? Well, the way you do that really gets back to what we were talking about in the last segment. It's create a type of asset protection trust. Now, it, I would say even that, you know, asset protection trust is not a uh, just a one size fits all. There's a lot of different ways that you do it. And I think depending on your family, you know, if you have kids or don't have kids or if you're married or not married or, or what the goal is. But could you accomplish the asset protection and get all of the income tax benefits? And with a little preparation, the answer is yes. Why, why wouldn't everyone do that then? Is there a certain threshold of what you have in order to make it pay to what it would cost to set it up to do it? Uh, I'm trying to think of a way to say this 
politically correct. I think it just depends on the lawyer you talk to. I really do. Okay. Um, some of them. So you can create an LLC, and we could probably get that done by, I don't know, noon? <laughs> really. You know, it's not super complicated. No, there's a little bit more to it than that. But but realistically, you could get that created, and uh, the state would approve it, and uh, you can get a tax ID number with the IRS, and you can call your CPA, and you can get that done in in a matter of a few hours. If you want to draft an asset protection trust, maybe it takes you three or four weeks, something like that. You say, well, oh, so not like not like years to prepare. No, no, no. Like three weeks. It could be four weeks. Um, three or four weeks with a lawyer on the clock, that could add up quickly. Oh, no. Yeah, right. No, not the, uh, well, yeah, that would be that'd be a great idea, Tom. <laughs> no, no. I, I would say from start to finish, you oh, could. Okay, all right. But it's, yeah, not, <laughs> the, yeah, if you, if you find the by the hour lawyers, you know, pull them aside because, man, that's got to be a great way to, <laughs> you say, it's a, uh, we used to do that. I used to don't work most, by the most, hour. Well, don't and it was most miserable. work by the hour or is it, is it more a flat fee these days? Most do. Not in, for the estate planning and elder law, I would say I wouldn't. So if you, if you run into a lawyer and I'm sure there's some wonderful ones out there that do, do this by the hour. I'm sure that exists. The problem is, Tom, if we said, hi, this is a task, like if, if it's something that if, if you ran into a lawyer, let's say you did talk to a lawyer, you know, just keep thinking about Mike. You know, Mike says, I'm going to draft an asset protection trust. And some lawyer says, I'll do that by the hour. Why would a lawyer do it by the hour? Uh, because they've never done it before and they have no idea That's how many hours this would take. Yeah, yeah. And you go, no. So, it, you know, and realistically, what you'd like to do is speak to a lawyer who's done this before, maybe done it several times, maybe done it for a few years even. And they've run into uh, lots of married couples with kids and lots of married couples without kids and lots of single people with kids and single people without kids and single people of this and that and married people that every scenario. And if, if they do, they can tell you they know what it would cost because they know how much time it would take. Um, so if you run into a lawyer that says, gee, just don't know. I mean, I, until we start to, until I sit down and really think about this for a while, I think we better do this one by the hour. You know, it's run away, right? Run, run yeah, away, run yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm sure you know, there's there's probably some uh, exception that breaks the rule somewhere, but but it's it's you can kind of see where that goes. But I think you know what you do is you just say, yeah, it takes a little bit more time to create an asset protection trust than an LLC. So if someone said, you know, is that just that absolute bottom line? Is I just want to you know I want it to be a few hundred dollars cheaper up front. Yep, LLC will do that because you can get it done pretty quickly and it's really not a whole lot to it. Um, but if you say I I'm going to get 80% of the benefit and that's enough for me, then, then you're fine. If you said, no, 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 why wouldn't we protect the tax? Why wouldn't we make this tax free or, or completely tax beneficial? I mean, am I missing something? No, it's just that you might have to go to the, the attorney's office three times and not one time. And you go, well, I can do that. Especially if you find a nice one out there somewhere, <laughs> you know, there's gotta be one. All right. But, 715-845-2155. We'll take a break here. Come back with more. If you have a question for Alan, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. We are lions. You can be too. Visit weserve.org. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. Political name-calling is nothing new. Representing extremism. But when a president starts doing it to distract from his own failures. That is a threat to this country. You know, it's getting serious. I woke up feeling like a great American, and then I find out my president thinks I'm a terrorist. They call us the, the fascists and the Nazis, and it's like, yo, 
Look at yourselves. Join the conversation. They're just trying to provoke a reaction out of us. Central Wisconsin's News Talk, WSAU. All right, we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King along with attorney Alan Haugam, Haugam Law Firm here in Wausau, 715-845-2155. If you have a question for Alan, give us a call here this morning. We've got a few minutes left to, to dive into some of these issues. Where else did you want to go with this? No, I think, you know, Tom, when we talk about this, it's, it's, it's just in case someone was on, you know, listening this morning and said, hey, wait a minute, um, it's, like this isn't my kind of a topic. You know, this is, uh, uh, you know, I'm not married a second time. I'm not married at all. I might never be married at all. You know, all those kinds of things. I think what it is, is it's really almost like a lesson in in just think about your goals is is really just kind of think about where you would want things to be. Do you want, you know, Mike's a great example. You know, if Mike says, hey, can we protect this with this small family LLC? Yeah, not real hard. Um, but it, that might be, that might cover one goal out of six or one goal out of three. And, and you say, can we do more than that? And the other thing too, when I talk about second marriages, I would say this is, it's not if you were married and, and I guess the way to put this, this is one where it is a little bit different if you have kids or you don't have kids or, or you have people that you want to give things to versus, you know, close people that you don't. So if you were married and didn't have children and then got remarried, well then it's, it's kind of a do over, you know, there's, you don't have natural beneficiaries. You don't have natural heirs, really, according to how the state would describe it. So we're not as concerned about that. When we talk about second marriages or third marriages, it's really if you had children of a prior marriage that you wanted to include. Now, we also have the flip side of this. And we talk to t- plenty of parents where they say, well, my son married someone who was previously, he, he married a woman that uh, was married before or had a daughter from a previous relationship. And um, we want to include that. That's our granddaughter. They said, I don't care what it says on a birth certificate or, or what the, uh, what the bloodlines say. That's our granddaughter. And we want to make sure, you know, that's his daughter. And I don't care who, uh, the birth certificate lists. She can't and we want to include queen her. or she can't become queen or he can't become King, but well, uh, it's yeah. not going to be, you know, King Charles the yeah. fourth or anything, yeah. but, but it is, you know, and I think those are some of my favorite meetings just because they are adamant that, um, because the state says no. The state says that person doesn't take along the bloodlines. They're not a natural heir. Or if you want to dig deep into what they call consanguinity, Tom, you know, we're getting, uh, we're getting a lot of a lot of syllables do, in that I, one. I do watch Game of Thrones and uh, <laughs> Year of the Dragon, but uh, that, that, that word that hasn't come, come up, up yet. Not All yet. Right, good. No, no. The, uh, but, but, but if you say, hey, can we include? We want to go the other direction. We want to be inclusive. Absolutely. You know, you can do that. But in that case, you don't want to... Uh, have the mistake go the other direction where someone's excluded. So then you just draft it in. So that one's fun. You know, you can just draft that person in and say, we want them treated as if, or we want them treated in the same manner. Now, what that does is it also increases the need for when you do this estate planning is to make sure that all of the assets go there. So if you have some type of, you know, the life insurance at work says it goes to my spouse first and then my children, or it goes spouse first, then children, then, you know, down the family line. Well, then that that stepchild or stepdaughter or granddaughter is excluded. So make sure that the life insurance goes into your estate plan and your estate plan includes her. Um, you know, if you have retirement accounts, you know, one of the things with retirement accounts we've talked about, uh, you know, several times in the last couple of years, probably the last year, year and a half, especially is they changed the laws, you know, right around the beginning of COVID, it kind of got swept under the rug because in January of 2020, right before COVID kind of swept everything and, and changed, uh, society, 
Well, Congress passed a law that that increases all of the tax that, uh, in some cases, a surviving spouse, but definitely how children or anyone you're not married to, how much tax they would pay on your retirement accounts after uh, you pass away. And you said, what? You know, where people used to be able to receive your, your IRA or 401k, your traditional IRA and 401k, not the Ross. The Ross are still a little bit easier. But for traditional 401k, 403b, 457, deferred comp, all the IRAs, all those things, it used to be when you pass away, if you're single, or if both spouses pass away, you give it to kids or anyone else you're not married to, and they had to pay the tax, uh, the, the income tax on those accounts over this life expectancy calculation. So they could pay this little tiny sliver of tax stretched out over a long period of time. And if you did it right, they could even stretch it into their retirement so they'd be paying it at these much lower tax rates. Well, in 2020, Congress changed that and said, now, when you pass away, if you're single or, or when both spouses have passed away, if you're married, and you give it to kids or anyone else, anyone you're not married to, they have to accelerate all of that tax and pay it in the first 10 years after you pass away. And you say, what? First 10 years? It's it's a, a crazy tax increase. It's, it's probably the biggest tax increase of my career, and it gets no headlines because COVID came in two months later yeah. and we forgot about everything. <laughs> so you say, well, what do you do about it? Well, can you, you know, it gets back to even Mike's question. You know, hey, we got the small family LLC to protect us from uh, certain things. Yep, we did. But there's a tax downside. There's a negative tax downside for income taxes. So can we do both? Can we protect it and get the tax benefit? Yes. Uh, with the retirement accounts. If I just fill out the form and say, well, it goes to my spouse first and my kid second, great. Will it get to them? Yes. Will they pay taxes? Yes. And will they pay accelerated taxes? Yep, we're going to stuff all of that tax up front. They have to pay more tax and pay it faster. Well, those are the two worst concepts in tax land is pay more tax and pay it sooner. So can we pay less tax and pay it slower or later? Both of those things, that's a win-win. So you can do that but you have to deal with it by transferring those. You have to do that in in uh, conjunction with your estate plan. All right. Well, if folks want more information on how to get all of this stuff uh, drawn up and uh, they can get a hold of you at your office, how can they do that? Well, I would say probably the easiest way, Tom, we have uh, our office in Wausau. We have our office in Rhinelander, which is probably just the middle of fall ride right now. But uh, the, the best phone number the, for everybody is area code 715-843-5001. 715-843-5001. Or probably even easier is on the internet. The website is haugumlaw.com. H-O-U-G-U-M-L-A-W for all four of our attorneys in both offices. So haugumlaw.com. All right. We'll talk to you again down the road. Thanks, Tom. Have a great day. That's attorney Alan Haugum on the show this morning. We've got the news on the way. The Polka Show is coming up as well. Badger football this afternoon. The Badgers in New Mexico State kick off uh, later in the afternoon. Pre-game show at 1230 here on WSAU. And the Brewers will try to beat the Yankees again tonight. And we'll join that game after Badger football. All right here. ADHD. It's the child who can't pay attention or sit still in school, right? The answer may be yes. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, can be complicated and it can last a lifetime. Living with a condition can sometimes be a challenge. It may take years to accept a formal diagnosis, and it's not always easy to find the right treatment plan. Did you know that up to 75% of children and adolescents with ADHD have at least one additional mental health condition that also requires a comprehensive approach to treatment? ADHD guidelines were recently updated to reflect the need to screen for associated disorders. 
be sure to talk with your child's doctor about proper screening and visit moretoadhd.com for additional information. That's moretoadhd.com. This message has been brought to you in partnership with Ada, ACO, and Chad. Fight chronic pain with chronic strength with the Arthritis Foundation's free VIM app. Find tips, tools, and support, and take back what chronic pain has taken away. Download VIM at arthritis.org slash VIM. That's 